beginning of Act One. Last time, we had a lovely wedding ceremony. Anaxoria and Alcarus joined officially in matrimony, met with some orcs in Fisher Tribe. Yarp. Had a good, raucous party before night truly fell. Returned back to your guild hall, entered through, and was told that a messenger from the Duke Koo koo cockatoo, poo poo cockatoo, whatever I said. Let's feed him with a vampire. Long went in as um, Migo and um, Inyo actually alone kind of put arms over Morningstar and Elkris' shoulders to take them on a tour. He and Morningstar at that point taking Elkris on a tour as Arissa stepped in with you all. As you found your seats, the messenger, the courier from Duke Krogant, seemed to make a recommendation that the others in here, your other guild members, mostly red shirts, if you will, um, mm-hmm. make sure that you're not dis- not disturbed within this hall. Don't let any others in. Mm-hmm. And almost synchronously, they all stood and moved, some departing the other side of the door, some staying inside the doors. At which point this courier took off his hat, it transformed and revealed himself, face, flesh, clothing, to be none other than your primary antagonist, your enemy. Don't flatter yourself. Taxes. Taxes. Still that fucking leprechaun. (laughs) (laughs) Captain Taxes had... Um, discussions and had questions for you. Mm-hmm. Essentially amounting to you've been naughty, flitting about doing a bunch of things. Not all of them that necessarily, he's not referring exclusively to breaking the truth. The, 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 so he does seem to know about that. Um, there's other references as well as to exactly what they are you're not sure you're not sure how much of what you've done he he is aware of how much is a slight against him or an annoyance to him but he essentially stated that an amount of annoyances have been built up that you have drawn him here mm-hmm. and his primary reason his question is as can be expected where is the scroll mm-hmm believing that you three must know more um, considering you were half the party privy to his first um, astral projection if you will into the throne room of Sermonea mm-hmm. <clears throat> reluctant to give the to give the answers he makes some statements such as you know if you've seen what I've seen or why do you fight for this or well, he did make an, an, an offer to you, whether sincere or not, unsure, but the offer was to protect those that you care about. He doesn't need to eliminate every mortal mind that exists. He made it clear that 
We can save a city. That's not a problem. To sweeten up the pot, he seemed willing to share with you information lost to, to time. You two, at his request, but no magical compulsions of the such, removed your necklaces, he held up his fingers, and in your perspectives, shot back through space, through time, through all sorts of things, and seem to descend into forms that you are not familiar with in any context other than hearing names almost your entire livelihoods. When he sends you, um, bridging the gap between above t t table at table here, I, don't, I think you get a sense that he's not sending you into specific people's heads. He's sending you back into a group mm -hmm. and whoever you are naturally more attuned with, if you, if, if you will, is mm -hmm. where you descend with it. Whose eyes you will be, be viewing through, whose mouth you will be speaking from, whose thoughts you will indeed have yourself. But you are not you. During this, you are not Urfael piloting Dol Dorn. You are Dol Dorn himself. Presumably, hopefully, you remember these things that you're seeing, experiencing when you return to your forms. But for now, as we play, you are truly members of the host. We are creating history itself at this table. A lot of imp improv, and not at, not <coughs> by any means a small amount of stress um, mm -hmm. on me. <laughs> I'm sure you guys feel it as well. Mm -hmm. We can consider this a very a very experimental <laughs> thing. Yep. This will last. I I'm hoping more than one session, but it will not last more than three. That's the commitment I make to you all. This first session especially will be different than anything we've done in the, the, in the past. Besides the setup, from a gameplay standpoint, I, Josh, do not want this to be me telling you a story. Surely not for four hours straight. Plus two, plus two, two more sessions, great. Mm -hmm. If I wanted that, I would have just written a book, which I considered. Not that, nah, it's more, more fun for having you guys mm -hmm. steer the ship as well here. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. But I think... <laughs> Never let them but I do think that this first session especially I will be doing a, probably a lot of talking setting the stages for things starting a lot of one-on-one -on -one RP moments with you all as we delve back into the origins the life span the lifetime of these people that you are I imagine session two and session three will be considerably more of, um, of interconnection and interactivity, which is what D&D should be. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important that you all ultimately know who the others are mm -hmm. above table before you're forced to interact with them at table. Because by the time we jump in, your characters will already know each other to up to a point. Mm -hmm. 
so with that said, that's why I've made coffee. <laughs> because I hope much, much of this is interesting to you. But I think it's hard when just other pe people might be talking a lot. Feel free to get up, get get coffee, get sugar in the in in, in the, the fridge, hide it from Rachel. <laughs> um, and I think without further ado, I should probably start. Going for ten minutes. <laughs> A city of white walls, vast, ancient, perfect. The seat of giant kind in the south, ruled course, by the noble storm giants, and served by all varieties below. One second, sorry, I'm just trying to get my stuff online here so it's easier. Perfect. Uh, ruled by, by the noble storm giants, of course, and served by all varieties below. For this was not just an ancient city, not just a fortress. It was a place of learning, of growth, of new ideas that would lift to heights never before seen, both me metaphorically and physically. But these are dreams for the future of Giant Kim and perhaps those of the lesser, smaller folk that toil in the tunnels and crawl spaces that make the city function. For now, the concern was wholly on the kin of those smaller folk, those who had shrugged off the yoke a century or more ago. Oh, the years have not been kind. Sharn had become the last bastion of giant kin worth in the immediate area. The ordning hung, uh, hung on by a thread. And Sharn was crucial to his function. It served the same purpose as the throne of, of Anam before Vanheim was buried in ice millennia ago and heralded Astoria's fall. That was our own folly though our enemies now held that tool in their very hands, we would not fall to such winters here. For these humans, these dwarves, these, these new elves, they want not only to destroy us, to take our precious homes as their own. Rodents in the larder, all of them. They would not find Sharn so easy to fall, because unlike other Dawn cities they've taken, our home is home to the dragon-marked families. Centuries ago, they allied themselves, body and soul, with the dragons and were granted a considerable boon, a fraction of their power. Through the bloodlines, this power has passed, spreading, and the dragons thought themselves mighty 
or the idea of having the small folk rule over their own kin, allies, rather than oppressors. As if you could oppress a Bahir or, or winter wolf bred for the sole purpose of serving you. Alas, the dragons found the hard way that the small folk were weak individually, but not in number. When we of giant blood offered them true freedom and amnesty for their crimes against their original masters, those of the dragon mark were only too eager to agree. And so they joined us in Sharn, known for its educational facilities for cloud, for, for cloud giants, training halls for those warriors of ice, forges deep within the core for our fiery brethren, throne suites for our, our overseers of storm. Those of stone and hill, of course, they slept outside the, city, outside the city and toiled to fortify. That is their calling, after all, under the ordinance. It's raining in case Leo wants to bring the stones. Oh. Sorry. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, it is. Look at that. It's coming down. That's a heavy rain, huh? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. the only reason I know this. <coughs> Sorry. Perspective shifts from this cloud giant writing a scroll documenting these things, these thoughts. A scholar of sorts, perhaps? Regardless. Perspective shifts to outside the multiple ring walls of Sharn. Outside, over the fields, the massive fields where humans and dwarves toil in the fields. Well, at least that's what they should be doing. After all, how do, how does a city this massive, of this massive number of giant kin possibly feed themselves? That's what they're for. Alas, now those fields are in ruin trampled by giant boot and feet. Those of hill, those of stone, massive piles of boulders next next to them, throwing continually. Soldiers of ice, spears, axes ready. Those of cloud directing from the distance, those of storm ready to strike, but cautious to save their own strength. For what is it that these giant kin are fighting? Not dragons, not in this particular battle, though that has been an ongoing problem for well over a century now as well. No, this time, as our giant's perspective looks out a window in a high tower, looking over, he sees the fire and the flames. He sees a mass in the distance, battle already churning. He sees the hooves of steeds. 
he, he can hear as our perspective zooms down to the actual battlefield itself, the clanging of steel. Humans, dwarves, elves, the small folk led by these sovereigns have come to Sharn to take it as their own. As we pan over, <laughs> boulders thrown by hill, giant, by hill giants and giants of stone together. <laughs> One boulder can squash and kill a cavalry charge as others, others divert around that. Bows and arrows knock. <laughs> Returning fire of fire. Occasional spellcraft, bolts of flame lance up. <laughs> bolts of lightning crackle forth, the giant's returning suit. A hammer <laughs> capturing the light itself, <laughs> pounding the ground and an arc <laughs> shattering forward through. The most of the battle at this point, directly heavy, heady, blood, stench, strength, an, 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 a frost giant comes, steps as a soldier, moves to the side, spear up into his ankle. He bellows, reaches down, picks him up, pulls up a dagger, take the giant's hand. The giant just grabs him and breaks him over his knee, tears him, roars as 40 arrows pepper him, and he falls. <coughs> the small folk may be weak individually, but they have the vast, vast benefit of numbers. Even so, the giants have not begun to pull out their heaviest guns yet. A giant of flame, skin, the dark fire wreathed around a massive sword lit in flame as the gates open. He steps forth and points his sword. Fiery steeds come out. Other giants of flame swinging bolos at reeling fire, throwing them, carving through dozens of men, dwarves, and elves at a time. Shield walls form. The giants come on. This one of flame looking around as the gates close. Sharn is a massive city. The small folk outnumber the giants tremendously so. This gives them the unique benefit of being able to attack from multiple sides without weakening their main their main force. The giants pick what sides they must they must defend. Around one side comes a horde of charging dwarves and humans raging <laughs> veins bursting, bloodshot eyes just charging in, throwing, hacking, attacking everything they possibly can. Wagons 
trundling along, being pulled by, 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 by oxen and steed. Siege weapons flinging. Stones? No. Dwarves wearing spiked helms. Five, six at a time. They come in, hacking, slashing through. A dangerous gambit, indeed. But one, the one that surprises all. Most importantly, the giants defending the eastern eastern flank. The western flank similarly harried. We're looking directly onwards right now. As this flame giant, some powerful warlord of some sort, it would seem, is barking out orders in his tongue. host of these small folk, a ship of stone, water just cascading off of it, sails that cannot possibly bear it aloft, an impossible sight. The giants should keep more careful hands on their, their, their craft. At the very, very tip of this, a dwarven figure stands, scarred, broken, nose squished, busted a few times, and looks like it's been, like it's been, been set. Someone. General. General. Dorm. The sun has ta- taken to beast. Pulls up a, a hand, looking down. General Dorn. My, my lord, step, step back, please. Feeling the wind rush past his hair, smiles. An elf comes to stand next to him. They look at each other, nod, and both tumble forward, falling the thousand feet down. Wind, rain, as they go through clouds, streaming through through their hair, axes, swords on one's back a trident on the, on the others as they fall in tandem. Looking, the dwarf sees the flaming giant figure and points. The elf, giant eagle, grabs his shoulders, wings strain, coasting, 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 coasting. Such a small thing descending from the from the sky. How will they how will they ever see? Eagle, let's go. The dwarf right inside of that giant. The axe catches the jaw. The great general is no more. As the lower half of his face is as undone, the dwarf using the momentum, stretching his own arms, almost in a laugh. He roars. He spins. Breaks it. His axe turns into two, and he 
and lightning shatters. He digs him into, into the side of another dwarf, climbs up his form, laughing as he hacks him. Get off! Get off! Get off! As he hits, bites, climbs up his arm, grabs a titanic greatsword like a tooth from some ancient beast, and slices that arm straight off. And as he lands on the foot, leaves the sword there. The two hand axes come back. Two two different um, fire giants are coming in. One hammer, one sword to stab in. He <coughs> combines them. <coughs> Fire rains over for them. They descend straight through. He's not there anymore. Already rolling under. <coughs> two Achilles ten tendons. Who's Achilles? It doesn't matter. Fall <laughs> sever as it falls boom boom into his, his ally. The giant eagle. <coughs> Lance becoming its elven form again. Trident flies, <laughs> sticks into into one giant's knee, turns into water, flows up, wraps a hand around, and <laughs> hits the knee. And ice <laughs> shatters out, explodes. Two more see this one and go. It's them! And rain down with hammers as the elf spins the trident, sticks it in the ground, and a geyser <coughs> shoots up, <coughs> throwing the two back, their hammers ineffectual against the storm. Good time, Thanks, me. brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for once, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this battle continues raging onwards as these two figures wreak havoc, gathering the attention of the other the other giants. Horns are sounded in specific shrill tones. Flares are up, as if every giant here all turns. If they are engaged with a Cavalry recharge on this side, they turn, they abandon, and they all go charging toward whatever these two are. The battle rages. This dwarf and this elf <laughs> spells. The elf points his, his trident. Disappear. Lightning <laughs> crackles down again and again and again as the dwarf flies overhead, throwing one hand axe, bringing it back, landing the other one in the knee, sending that one to the ground. An unstoppable whirlwind of force these two appear to be. As they look onwards, all the giants coming, more figures followed their suit, descending downwards. More dwarves heavily armored, more elves and humans transforming into giant into, into giant eagles, coasting them in. A rain of heavily armored dwarves come <laughs> right at that mass of gathered giants as they have been coming close. The giant eagles spin, turn. They are there to help pick up and move as needed to be, gaining height, gaining eyesight, watching at all times. Specific screeches, the dwarven, fi- 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 the dwarven figure on the ground, helm, cr- 
strapped to hell. He just pulls it off, throws it to the side. Half his, bo- half his body charred, burnt, black almost. His cheekbones crashed in, smushed. Hideous looking, looking figure at this point. Smiles. form comes, appears atop the wall, a cloud giant looking over, anger in a masked face, bare feet lifting off, massive stones gathering behind the figure, male, female, hard to tell from this distance, as clouds form around from the cloud <laughs> a massive serpent of cloud and light lightning elder elemental a tempest itself <laughs> a hundred humans dwarves die instantly as this mythical creature wreaks havoc upon it as this giant's quarterstaff is thrown <laughs> splits into three and a quarterstaff is the twice the, 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 the size of, of a person around <coughs> explodes in thunder <coughs> comes back as she comes the stones constantly turning in a runic form behind possibly her back in a almost cosmic rhythmic way words runes sigils etched within like a ha- like a halo Around the dwarf smiles. The elf perhaps does perhaps does not smile. It's time. As from the clouds high above comes a dragon, a blue dragon. But calling it blue might be a bit misleading. More of a dragon of sapphire fire itself. Lightning and cold, breathing it as it and breathes out a bolt of lightning that tears across multiple giants and this figure. Both. The tempest itself comes up and this dragon takes to doing battle with this giant, with this elder tempest. And behind the dragon's back you see a mass of hundreds, thousands of feet of paper, a scroll, breathing around it, following it as it as it moves. It rears back its head. Multiple symbols appear in front of it. As it breathes out, it hits the first one, multiplies it into two, multiplies it into four, eight, sixteen. Those bolts all crescendo in on this giant. Their battle is cataclysmic to the point where even the, the dwarf on the, on the, and the elf on the ground seems small in comparison. Meanwhile, somewhere else, a woman, a human woman, stands atop a balcony built for much larger forms, convenient things that's very easy to see through and sneak through the guard um, trails at that point. Looking up over this 
battle taking place. But rather than looking out at the true battle taking place, she looks down, waiting. And then a smile crosses her lips as she sees humans, dwarves, halflings, even some, even some elves charging out of hidden areas, bunkers, homes, and beginning to assault the giants within the very city. For this is the way the host does battle. Pincer maneuvers are crucial here. Make the small folk want to live their own, their own lives, rest freedom back. Human woman smiles knowing that her job has been done successfully here as she smokes a long pipe. Trails of purple seem to bristle with starlight cascading around her. We zoom forward literally hours after this. Hours have gone by at this point. The dwarven fellow from before is broken shattered. Mighty warrior though he is. Um, armor, what, what little he may have, have had serving, little to no purpose as it didn't seem to need it anyways. But when I say broken, I mean under the corpse of multiple giants. Pressed into the ground. Hefting with all of his his weight up, even the weight of three giants upon him, one hill, one stone, one cloud, is not that maybe even he cannot, nah, not never been one to take no for an answer. Problem is, this was a fucking field, and it's raining, so as he pushes up, it just pushes himself down more. A couple more hours go by as the battle continues in a more quiet sense. Those remaining forces still chasing the enemy on both sides, knowing who's winning or who's losing. Not an entirely easy thing to tell around the entire perimeter and that massive field is that surround shot. A hand eventually comes through and grabs Doran's hand and pulls him out. And he sees through his ruined face, burned, shattered in, both arms broken, one leg broken, ribs. Now this is not to say that Dodorn did not do his job in the battle. It's to, to say one dwarf slaying single-handedly 69 or so? Um, I know, nice. 69 or so. He's really hoping to, to get to that um, 70, but hey. <coughs> 69 giants single, single-handedly is a pretty tremendous act. You can't even see the blood and the mud coating you. A gauntleted hand roughly smears it off of your face as you hear a familiar voice say, Well done. The voice of your sister. As Dol Dorn cracks an eye, 
he sees her under her, her, her helm, blood covering herself. But she never looks look, looks hurt, but she also didn't kill 69 single-handedly. You're sure, you're sure of that. Um, looking down at you with a smile. You are ruined state, apparently not a concern to her at all. Didn't they tell you we'd have fun today? <clears throat> fun. You did. Well, let's get you up. She closes her eyes and opens them, and it's always a, an eerie thing to see when she does this. The black void. The pinpricks of stars. An infinite number. Not on the surface, but within. The further you look, the <coughs> more stars there are. Deeper, like you're there yourself. She touches you and all your bones re-knit. Your wounds turn to scars to add to, to what's already there, and your thrice-broken nose comes to fix itself as well as she does whatever magics the the um, life article, our article of life is capable of. Enough to get you on your on your feet and then some at least as she hoists you up. You look over the battlefield again. There's probably of the of the uh, twenty thousand that you led in this ba- battle. You know, you would jump from a you know thing and came came down and stuff. But they all they all knew, right? Mm-hmm. You were you were in charge. charge. Not including the the other um, seven thousand led by other generals flanking around, having the there under the twenty thousand that you watch. You look around. Hard to tell. There's mud caking everything. The rain is 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 a haze. Hours have gone by at this point in time, but you're used to battles that can take days sometimes. You don't know what the status of the battle is. She just hoists you up and... All good, brother? I'll forgive you for taking so long this time. Well, you were a bit bit hard to find this time, weren't you? Next time, stick a flag up. Well, keep up. Where are we? She'll turn you... Around, and you see the massive white walls of Sharn, right there, proper. In the fields, the, the river surrounding it. You're well outside that, of course, in, in the, the fields. So, okay, so now you have a good approximation based on, based on location, distance. She says, she claps you on the shoulder. Wait, one. They're in a full route right now. And Doldorn, you you know, I mean, you would believe that this was possible regardless, but this battle should have been a multi-week siege. If it's truly over as fast as it is, that would mean that Aladra did her job. Well, you can always count on the crafty devil woman to get her done. We should never be too sure that it's done until every big bastard is back in the mud. Great. Well, 
shall we? And she gestures, and you see uh, whether serendipitous timing or planned or just sheer coincidence, the massive gates are opening, and a cheer goes up from both outside the city and inside the city. As you see not more giants and their, their kin storming out to fight, but small folk and opening the gates from the inside out, stepping forth to meet with their brethren that they've never seen before. Because people back in this age don't travel, they don't talk, they're segregated in their own villages, cities, mines, and whatnot. Sounds of battle dwindle to you. I'm sure you could find a few more giants to, to, to kill if you were so inclined. But what does Dorn do in these moments? Uh, if the battle is won, he would march in to find his other sovereign mm-hmm. yep. who did their job. That's, that's, that's I'm trying to think like, yeah. If it, As you begin to traverse through you see the thousands of bodies, the men that you led to this battle. You see the hundreds of them that are not fortunate enough to have died. And this is when Dol Ara will leave your side. She'll give you another squeeze on the shoulder and she begins to, to, begins to go and help them up, giving a modicum of the healing might that she gave to you, enough to get them on their own feet and help the others. She goes and touches them. You do see her armor, her helm, her sword is bloodied, so she didn't fully sit on the side lines here. Um, But her job was not to attract the attention. She does what she does, and as you continue winding through, you see anybody that sees you now that your face is not crushed, ruined, charred, thanks to her, they recognize your form. And they begin to cheer. The cheer roars out as your massive booted feet squelch in the, the mud. Every footstep you take is met with chance of your name. Which also has the second benefit of heralding your coming as they don't need to send people to in the, city, in the city to let them know that Dorn is stepping within. They'll hear the cheers from the mass from far, far away. As your booted feet cross the massive giant make stone bridge that will later become the, the, um, the entrance to Tavik's landing sometime far, far away from this. You leave your muddy prince to mingle and mix with the countless southers of both giant and human. Giant and small folk, I should say. Aladra. You were, for a while, watching this battle take place, waiting for 
the dragon marks to do their job. And I think here we take a fun little moment to go backwards. Is Lofen looking himself constantly? Yes, Lofen. Enough. Enough. It's less the sound that bothers me. It's more just him just jealous. giving himself another rash. Mm. Yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> <Licking him. laughs> go backwards in time a bit here. And not back only a couple, couple hours, and not back mere days, but back months. For Aladra is the herald the host. She is instrumental in making sure that when the host will come with their host of soldiers, you cannot hide an army. At least in this time. You cannot hide an army. But one person can fairly easily slip in and in and out of anywhere, especially someone as skilled as a lot. Some city she's and then she's been capable of essentially single-handedly or maybe with the help of some other like-minded um, supporters of opening doors, making sure, make sure the doors are open at the right time. But for Sharn, you will need a massive force from within to fight all the giants that <laughs> ultimately you know will retreat within Woods. And then it will be a siege. Our scene pans in here with Aladra standing before a room, a massive room, of a white dome, if you will, with carved uh, windows, but they're more like like slits and bars across them higher up, allowing in the sunlight from one direction. The sunlight suspends the molecules of dust in the, in the place, a beautiful daylight day. A time when sedition, uh, espionage, and subterfuge should be least suspected. Aladra did not walk into this room as herself. She took on the guises of multiple figures. She took on, she knew what they would, what they would say. She was impeccably convincing to come within here. She entered this place ostensibly in the guise of a serving woman bringing a pitcher of, of wine. Only the best when the twelve dragon mark matriarchs and patriarchs meet. And indeed, in the center of the space that is far too large for the small folk within, there is, in the very center, there is a white circular marble table, very, very fine make and gold and silver filigree all across, across them. And in twelve seats, there are the matriarchs and patriarchs of the dragon marked houses. 
wearing the guise of the serving woman, I think that fades. And they are shocked and appalled and are ready to draw, draw, draw out arms. As far as you've heard, some of them are actually decent fighters, and their dragon marks would surely um, be enough to give, to give you some pause, perhaps. But more importantly is if they sound the, the alarm and inform the, the giants what is, that there's an intruder here. But Eladra's nothing if not confident in doing her job. What would she say to these folk? As she knows her job, there is none better to convince. There is no mayor, there is no, no elderman of this settlement, this massive city. The dragon marks are the highest power of mortal kind. And sway them, you sway the city for the coming of the host in the, in the coming months. Be at ease. I simply come to talk. Eyes looking around, shouts going, going up. Some one even says, and you see your name on some of their lips already. But that's that spread around. As I know some of you are aware, my name is Zeladra, uh, and I wanted to meet all of you as I know how important you are. They sit, most hands still on daggers, swords. Remarkable thing, seeing humans and dwarves and elves like this able to have weapons onto them in a city completely ruled and vastly populated by giants is a bizarre thing. But is a sign of their station, after all. Have you heard of the unrest in the settlements? One of them. You look at him, do some mental calculations quickly. Human, elderly, three daggers across across his front. Death. Yes, you know that. You know that family. You know what they're responsible for. You know what their dragon mark allows for defense attack. That is one that you should watch out for. Though your eyes are always in the corner of them, keeping an eye on the, the, the elves, the elf, the matriarch of the Fjarlin house here. For as far as what the murmurs of the common folk in the city, those are the assassins doesn't make sense. Why would you have assassins? Who would they be assassinating for, if not for the dragon marks themselves? And that's a scary thought, perhaps. This Deneth Patriarch. Yes, we've heard of such things. As he takes his flag and... And your thoughts? Well, we've also heard of your activities. You and the... You and your, uh, sovereigns. This is not a term that you guys call yourselves. Not even at this time of the timeline, by any means. That is simply a name that has spread 
throughout. Um, the giants, the dragons, are referred to as false, um, so false sovereigns, which then the common folk have took to be just calling sovereigns. Um, the exact opposite of what the big, big, big boys would want to happen, no. but of course that is what happens. Mm -hmm. You're missing a key word there, false. Sure, sovereigns, G got it. We have heard of what your business has amounted to far away from here. We do not want your problems, do not bring your war to our fair balls. I will be honest with you. The war is coming. The tide has already been set. And it cannot be pulled back. And that is why I came to all twelve of you. Our war is not with you. In fact, I think it would be very beneficial. After all, there will be a void of leadership. And I was thinking to myself, whilst well, the others were out fighting, of course, their deal. Who would be better to lead when this is done? Do you think there would be anyone better than the twelve of you? Their eyes meet each other, crisscrossing throughout. You can already see the deals and schemes that these twelve could amount to in the future, but those are problems for a hopefully brighter future. A halfling fellow must be either House Roscoe or House Glanda says, You said that we would lead our own people? Are we not already in positions of leadership here? Hmm? What more can you offer us? How about a city? And no one to tell you no. The elf. No, half-elf. Few of those exist these days. Uncommon creatures, yet there's two entire houses of them amongst these folk here. Says... Now, of course, you would mean under the, you know, the sovereign such as yourself, yes? Of course not. We cannot be everywhere at all times, and we each have our specialties, but none of us have been in positions of power with information, as the twelve of you have been. We may be specially bred to fight, but your houses were born to lead. As we are freeing these folk, as I'm sure you can assume, you can let your flock out to pasture, but you need a shepherd to prevent them from slaughter. And you claim that we would be a shepherd, a large human says. I think you have what it takes. A Dorban fellow must be House Kundrak. Kundrak would be a very interesting, very useful house to have on your side. 
in this day and age, the idea of, of a coin and whatnot less important. Less important. The giants truly would not trust small folk with with, with that. But their dragon marks do allow them to cast um, abilities that lock things and and therefore unlock things and protect things. Be very useful to have them on your side, even if you can't get all of, of them on your side. Dorvan fell along braids, gray hair, long gray beard, studded with, with rings throughout. And what if we say no? If you say no, then I will walk away and accept your answer, but be very disappointed. I will need to find someone else to lead the free folk, but when you can't have a feast, any dinner will do, I suppose, although I do hope that's not the answer you give. Another one says, Do you truly think that you will be capable of taking Sharn without the help of us from the inside? Maybe. You would make it greatly easier. It would be beneficial to us both. But if you do not help, we will find a They kind of look at each other, and they share a glance that's like, if information is not spread in this day and age, so the fact that they knew your name and what you're coming here meant means that your other job is going very, very well. Your other little spies and secrets that you send out, you're not a completely one-woman show. They've done their job. Far before you've come to this, this place, and they already know I already know of your name. Your coming brings either glory or terror. Oftentimes one before the other. You can see that these dragon mark houses right now are looking at each other, weighing the risks, weighing the can we take the glory for the terror. We might have to live through terror to reach the glory. None speak right now. They murmur amongst each other. You do see several that look completely unconvinced and look like they might like like they might at any point in time try to attack you or sound an, an alarm. I know you are living comfortably the way you are now. But I also know that your ancestors and some of you have made deals and gone back on them. So I would hope you would be able to calculate exactly what is beneficial to you. You may feel that you are their ally and they are yours, but you see what they do to the lesser folk. What's to stop them from putting their thumb on you when the rest have died in this war? Why will they not send your children out? What's to stop you and your sovereigns from doing the same to us? You speak that we will be in leadership now, but if it is the boot that we know versus the unfamiliar boot, 
and somebody else now for the first time speaks up in defense and says, rather the boots the, the size of my own and those of my own kin than others. Very well said. Additionally, if we are creating your boot, we may write up the contract. You would get to choose the ceiling for which you must rise to. No one else will get to decide your fate but you. And you would be the one writing it right now. An entire city, power, leadership. Roll a perception check for me. Or, I'm sorry, an insight check for me. <coughs> First time in a roll. 19. 19. Okay. Nice. You're looking and you see that the elf whose eye who's you've been keeping an eye on. As your eyes, you know, just glance over to the one talking to you, you flicker back over and you see that his hand has shifted under the table. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. You see the slightly the, the tendon tense in the arm. You insightfully you see that elf, the entertainers, has a dagger in his hand and is ready to strike. What do you know? I would set that down if I were. The others unsure of what you're speak, speaking of. Look, look over. There is an element of understanding worth. This is a massive risk and a significant undertaking that you are asking of us. If any of us here leak this information to the giants, then we are all forsaking our lives. Trust within this hall is not something that comes free. Trust within an outsider such as yourself is one that comes at a price. Prove that you have the worth. And he is, uh, he is out of his seat as the chair is tipping back, falling. It's almost as if in slow, slow motion as he is marked all, already. You don't, don't know where it is. We see a slight, slight glow from the collar here. He coming up to you. Then it says, wait, the Madani. Set says, and the dagger <laughs> is coming up at your throat. You see it coming. What do you do? Would I know my spells at this point? Yes, at this point, yes. Okay. We're top tier titties at this point. Huh? So we're top tier. Yes, at this moment in time, you guys are the character sheets you have in front of you. Not gone back so far that you are. <laughs> You're nothing. <laughs> oh, no. You are the shadow. Yeah. Darkness. <laughs> there you go. I would teleport to the other side of the table. Via what's what spell? Teleport. Teleport? Uh, yeah. Okay. It's the only 
the only competition you yeah. you, you have. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as the blade comes, <laughs> you're gone from that spot. <laughs> they all. <laughs> you are on the other side. What do you say? If I have enough time to talk, then I would call emotions. Love that. Yes. You have enough time to talk as you begin to talk, he flips the dagger over and throws it. Daggers in in midair as you turn and speak your words. I think you just move your head as the dagger hits, hits the wall behind you. And all of them calm. Smile a bit, a bit. Even the elf just goes, Well, that's clearly some worth. And he calmly goes back to his seat, puts, puts a foot on, on the, the, the leg, tilts it up, and sits back to the down. You have their attention and they are the emotions are calm they they will know that you have influence their emotions which is kind of a power play at this day and age where spellcraft is not a common thing and these people are used to being to be being like i can do things that are impossible i want to challenge you all during this time to think of things less as spells for the most part they're magic amorion is the one who codified magic into spells and he said this would be way easier to you know do if we had arithmetic that that made it made it true forever mm-hmm. you at this point in time have learned quite a bit from him and from others some of your things though are still just like you you can call them spells but it's more just magic now right mm-hmm. so it's not like the dentists have i can cast fifth level bigby's hand Mm-hmm. That doesn't exist, but he's like, I can manifest a large spectral hand of force, right? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just there abilities that exist that have later on been codified into specific things. So these people are used to having power that does not exist to the common folk by any means, and they just saw someone teleport across the across the hall to get the dodge and influence their emotions. You recommend that you leave this this place before your spell fades, just because that will have the greatest impact. When they come back t- to their senses, you'll be sashaying out the door. And if they come to say, where is she? You'll probably already be gone or invisible or what whatnot things you wish to, 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 to do next. So what do you say? What is your final um, statement, argument, whatnot, as you just have a hand and out and they are called to this moment in time. Well, I appreciate the forced exercise. I do not wish to sweat in this dress. So, talk amongst yourselves. I trust you will come to the best decision as you have before. We look forward to seeing you. And how will we find you to give you our answer? No need. I will find you. That's exactly the answer I want her to give. <laughs> Improv! <laughs> um, and I will change appearance. Yes, you you kind of just, from behind your back, from seemingly nowhere, a half, a, a, a half mask comes on, and you just... And they're like looking at you bizarrely as you 
walk past the, the them. As the spell's beginning to fade, you open up the doors, these massive you know, doors are there for, for giants to, to walk through. You open them, just open one, just enough to slip through. As it closes, you can you can hear them go, wait, wait, what was that name? You're walking down the hall, you know now other people seeing you would be an alarming thing. What form did you, did you take when you put on the mask? Which does, it's a full disguise self. I would have taken that same servant girl, but the moment I'm out of eyesight, I would change to a different person. Perfect, yes. Another yes. inconspicuous human. You do hear the doors open, open, and somebody says, says, just change your form. And they're like, very quickly as you weave your way through other servants and what whatnot. It's a bizarre thing for Eladra, even to this day, though she's seen it before. It's a bizarre thing to see humans, I keep saying humans, let's call them mortals, small small folk, mm-hmm. serving others of their own kind. Mm-hmm. It's an unnatural thing that I think is a bit distasteful, but you know that sometimes distasteful things need to be done for the greater good. As the servants and whatnot are coming to bring whatever, you know, the, probably the real wine servant is coming, is coming now because you look just relentless like her. She kind of looks oh, no. at you at, at you like, what? But by the time she connects who it is, you've already changed, changed your face. She goes, oh, that was like, oh, like a weird thing, right? Mm-hmm. They, see her, they see her coming in. What do you mean? And she drops it. And they go, oh, no, no. and somebody then says, enough! And it's that Madani voice again that had spoken. And the Deneth voice next says, Call yourselves and return here. You're not sure which of the dragon marks had Scooby Doo their heads out of the door, thought that the servant gal was you. Clearly wasn't, but they didn't want them to spill the beans. So they give you my business, pull them Mark. back in. <laughs> um, the doors close, and you leave that scene as you turn from your where you're sitting there smoking your midnight pipe, purple smoke curling up. You stretch your legs, stretch your neck, turn yourself and drop down the 30, 40, 50 feet lightly and begin to walk your way to where you all know to meet up. So far so good guys, well done, well done. Steven. Yes. You are still outside. Mm-hmm. The rain falling on you. Not, not heavy, a light mist. Kind of prefer that. But mm-hmm. you see the fields of deceased. You see the clouds above. And I think the only misgivings you give the clouds above is that they obscure what should be a nice night sky coming at this point. For when the attack commenced, the sun was 
fully up, but it but it was turning twee tweeve nitning. You slayed your fair share of um, giants, not as many as Dor- Dorn, but whoever. You know, that's an impossible standard to, to hold yourself to, to after all. Mm-hmm. As the city is to your back. And I think we find your character sitting on boulder. One of the many boulders that the giants use as they, they throw. You're just sitting atop one right now. Trident stuck in to it at your side. Pensively looking up as the mist and then the rain hits you, wishing you could see the stars beginning to come, to come out as the last wisps of purple of the sunset are descending over. I think you like watching the sunset. Mm-hmm. Because where you are from, there is no sun sunset. The sun sets when you move. And your home is a place where the sun was always setting. That's just where you were. A perpetual sunset, a beautiful, beautiful thing. But it also never had the sun, never had the moon. It never had true stars. I think for a moment you consider I fly above the clouds just to see the them? And you realize that's a silly thing. You've already used both of your wild shapes, and though you probably could do it a, a myriad other ways, it's not what you're here for. And a voice come, comes out. Brother! As Melanor calls out to to you as Shere Khan lowers his, his head and looks out seeing his brother two swords on his back like this a very very much a Maragorn or I'm sorry um Legolas like um, um elf bow and arrow um two short swords at his side um green armor looks looks like like leaves all across golden pauldrons, brass bracers with wingtips and such, a roguish-looking individual. If you imagine, um, as I said to you, imagine Legolas, but with more of a Gimli personality, if that makes any any sense. Um, But that beautiful, striking sort of figure, though his hair is a a dirty blonde that seems to fade to black and brown at times, not staying in one perpetual color. He, come, he comes up, smile on his face, blood streaking across him. Good eve. And how fair is the hunt? The hunt is well. Did you see me? And indeed, you did see him because what you saw was during this massive clash that occurred between this giant that wailed where stone was just cycling behind them and they summoned or had already obviously thralled an, an, an elder tempest elemental and controlled that was obviously your true query here was that exact giant 
we had to drag them out first. Then, of course, Orion descended. But you know Balinor, not by his sword or arrow as it flew, but by the massive giant elk that he was standing. And when I say giant elk, I want to be clear, not a giant elk D&D version, Mm -hmm. but a giant elk boat that could trample even giants themselves. Mm-hmm. The horns lifting hill hill giants as he's flinging them over, again not revealing himself until this other giant did did as well. The hoof falls of this giant elk, crushing not too many of your own folk. Though Baelor has been known for sometimes getting a bit over overzealous for that, and you know that if he became that form. And then your sister is likely nearby as well. He's not in that form right right now. Obviously, he obviously left, left, that, left that form. <laughs> the blood and whatnot is across him, so he fought for quite some time. In the distance, though, you do see a greenish glow, and you see people standing, watching. You see the backs of heads, and you wonder, how long have I been staring up at the clouds for? For you see the glimmering form that you know is your sister. A distance away, a few hundred yards away, and the people dropping to their knees as this trampled field, this crushed, demolished, nothing will grow here for years holds up her hands and you see motes of green and shoots Lofin, enough and you see shoots vines, the beginning buds of corn begin to like spears coming from the earth and the earth rolling itself and you know that right now her eyes are probably in dark pits stars speckled throughout. You know that before this battle, she did indeed attune the article transformation. And Balinor enjoys joining the battles as a very large symbol to folk using similar power. It's good to see her. I mean, she's safe. It's good to see the hope, the cries that come out from the people. Some of which are those that come from inside the city, the assassinated toil in the city all the time, seeing all their hard work for generations destroyed, right? Seeing not destroyed, simply delayed. Your sister was always a sign of hope, of fertility, of life, of love. I think you find yourself smiling as you see her doing what she does best. Balinor says, Shokan, hello, did you you hear me? You're not sure what he just, you're not sure what he's referring to. Are you talking about your escapades as a giant elk? Escapades, escapades. 
guess I'll need me to find something else, another form, if you consider those mere escapades. Mm. All of the way that you trample about. How fared your hunt? And I think you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Shere Khan kept count. I don't think Shere Khan cared to really keep count of how many giants or whatnot he had fulfilled. I sit here to look up at the clouds, but like the stars, I cannot count what is behind them. You are strange, brother. We should join the others, should we not? Victory is what this day is. Yes, well, they have the others too. Rally cries behind. But I will partake, if that would, please. Do you know if Forion was successful? I think their battle took <coughs> to the clouds and above, and for as terrible as the battle was on the, on the ground, it was, it was as if an entire war was happening between two individuals in the sky. You haven't seen the fall of that at all. I haven't seen where he's gotten to, but the sky seems to have calmed down a bit. So... Take it, that's a good sign. So at least the fight's over one way or the other, hmm? Mm. I have a feeling we'll hear about it one way or the other soon. Shall we at least join our sister and make sure she does not get trampled by by these folk? (laughs) Always the beacon of life and hope. That's always been her, has it not? Yes. I'll be so deaf. Love that. As you two walk side by side, I think we're going to really start to weave in um, flashbacks here. Mm -hmm. We're going to start with you. Okay. As you walk through the mud here, the fields, Balinar talking to you, at, at you perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, people calling out his 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 name. How fair the hunt? How fair the hunt? A call that does not require an answer. Just mm-hmm. the answer is, I heard you and I hear you. Mm-hmm. As you're walking toward your sister, hands still raised up as people are cheering her name dropping to their knees, bowing to her. She lowers a hand and lifts one up and you see her beautiful blonde hair shining as she turns, as she shakes her head and says, you see on her lips saying, no, we do not bow here. ROI in a very, using Lord of the Rings, Galadriel, that's like the key thing to think about when it comes to, to, to her here. A dress, no armor of the such, bare feet even, stepping across stone mud, but never seeming too dirty, truly. As you see her, I think your mind 
remember something from many years ago. When the sky was perpetually a sunset at all times. The idea of the sky changing does not make sense. The sky is what it is. If you want to see a different sky, best get to, to walking. Be invited to a different court. As you hear the wind chimes going and you feel the wind on your, your flesh, you are younger. You are not an, an elf at this point. You are Eladra. Balinor's there, Arwai is there as well. Arwai, your um, elder sister. Always the voice if Balinor knows what's good for you all. And you always a bit quieter watching from the side. Metal child. You watch as your own elders are arguing, discussing amongst themselves. As is common with Eladrin, passions can get riled up quickly, but they can also calm far more quickly as well. You hear some in robes of leaf that cascade long ears, larger eyes, and eyelashes that flutter. Butterflies and moths floating around, some of them winged, some of them not so. One of them is saying something to to the akin akin of, Can you not feel it? Speaking your native sylvan tongue. Can you not feel their their trauma? Those of the material realm, the prime. For centuries and centuries more, we've been able to feel it, but none of us will act. Why would we act upon such things? What good does it do us? We are fine here. We are happy here. Happy being subservient, <coughs> you say. <laughs> subservient to who? We, we, are, we are in a bounty. Anything we wish can be made manifest here. Yes, but what of the giant king that have stepped across the thresholds? There are areas of our very own silver forest that their large feet tread. Let them let them tread. The one rubbing his chest it feels ill, my brethren. I can ache in my heart to ignore a people that need, that feel, that desire something, that cannot achieve it. And what would you have us do, huh? Go there and be their rescuers? <laughs> How would we even go? Several of our kind have stepped through these small pathways that that appear here and there, and we've never heard from them since. What would you have us do? And one that hasn't spoken yet says, I would have us find our own way. 
find new kinship. And others nod. Others. <laughs> You're young at this point, not your place to speak up, to speak up. Arwai steps forward and begins to speak to them. I too feel this longing, this desire. I think if they are not saved, if they are not freed, then we will continue to feel that ache only grow as their numbers grow as well. We are not the same as the humans across the veil. We're not the, we are not the same, but are our hearts not in some ways as one? Arwai says, I think in some ways we are their hopes and their dreams for brighter tomorrow. Who are we if we do not, who have the power, take upon the mantle to do something with that? Another ten lifetimes from now, those pain in our hearts may be far worse than that. Arguments sort of break, break out. Balinor just looks at, at you, rolls his eyes and says, can you imagine such a thing? Moving to, up to a, a place with skies that, that change, none of the natural beauty of this place. And you do indeed see the equivalent of redwood trees that climb up massively tall, entire structure, an entire city built amongst the um, the um, trees here in what is the Fae Wild. You are not in one of the major courts. There is no Queen Titania or King Oberyn here to place you under their thumbs. Though you know that you are under all of the Archfae thumbs in its own sense. Banor's like to do all of that just to what save some people that can't save themselves perhaps but I do think that ROI has a point you always think our sister has a point well most of the time she does if there's something festering in a tree. Sometimes you have to cut it out before it spreads to the hole. What if this blight that the mortals on the other plane are feeling is a blight that will grow within us as well? Are we truly so different from them? Are we closer to them than we are to the Archfey that rule above us. <coughs> Excuse me. If we can feel their pain, who's to say that we can't help? I suppose. 
it would be something new after all yeah more sporting than some of the game we have around here new game to hunt You, you always knew how to get me, get me to actually listen to you, Shere Khan, and it's not most of the nonsense of what you speak. Well, your mind ticks in weird ways. Well, I suppose if we go, go, but the Archfey won't like it. I think we can sneak a few handfuls of us under their long snouts, but do you think we can really send forth enough that would make any difference in us without them finding out? The Queen of Air and Darkness will not take kindly to a mass mass exodus of her subjects to that realm. just make a hasty endeavor rather than waiting around. Yeah. A coordinated exodus instead of just a trail, a trickle. Like a dam bursting in a flood. You in floods, brother. You in floods. Mm. R.Y. returns smiling at you both and says I think if we do make any action we'll need to be exactly as, as you two have just said with haste and I do not think we will, we will be welcome in return is that a risk that you are both willing to take forward a bit of time as the elders have stepped have spent their profound fey magics arguments that one went on when I say we skip forward a while I mean the equivalent of centuries we skip forward as elders live very long times if you think you think elders are so slow to act Imagine those. <laughs> the prime. <laughs> we did eventually reach back to the to the archfey for, for uh, by which you would have you need to have sworn fealty to. And she made it very clear that if you do step across that threshold, do not return. We will not bring the ire of the giant folk here. For indeed, it is a known thing that for millennia, giants have stepped across the Feywild. Well, they were not restricted to the material plane. They have stepped across all the realms, especially those of, of, of um, elemental design. 
comparatively much fewer have stepped across to the other planes. But, and that's partially because the massive power dynamic there. I don't believe Shere Khan fully understands the likes of what is Queen T Titania? Mm -hmm. Like, what actually um, um, is she? Well, she's very, very old. She's older than any currently existing giant or dragon. She is something primordial that is a reflection of primordial things that, exists, that, that existed far, far, many millennia ago on the material plane. Giants would have to come in mass to try to face any of the any of any of the archway or take their their land would be armies marching untold. And interplanar travel is not an easy thing here. So the decision, it's sort of a excommunication. If you want to leave so bad, find and be gone partially a selective exodus on your behalf. Your elders use their profound magics, taking core parts of the Fey Wild itself, stones of the Fey, gems and whatnot, manifesting, imbuing their own souls into them, bringing eldritch pieces of the Fey Wild, tying them together into this weave and splitting open a massive gap through which hundreds, thousands of elves step across. A lot of them, I should say, a lot of them step across. They see a settlement. I've never seen a human beef beef before. Sounds interesting. By this time, you are far older, far more accomplished than you were during the first part of the flat. Like I said, mm -hmm. centuries have passed at this point. You and your siblings are amongst the first to cross through into a darkening sky, and you see, oh, the sky's not so different here after all, as it just looks like a sunset. You begin to traverse forward, clomping through, you know, on your um, Eladrin feet. I shouldn't say Eladrin do not clomp, they glide. Mm -hmm. The grass does not even bow under your feet. I'm armored as some, some of you are, robes, some of you are clothed as some of you are. Weapons, gifts, bounty, fruits, vegetables, foodstuffs from the Fae, gifts and gleaming swords and whatnot, not knowing entirely what to expect. Not fully understanding the time change that happens when you step across. Mm -hmm. Not knowing how many centuries or how many seconds have just happened in the moment of the instantaneous traversal across. As you are encroaching on this human village, a small, simple settlement, much like most that you know, you remember your own words from centuries prior to Balinor. How maybe you're more similar to these folk, these humans, than you are to the Archfey themselves. As the gate closes behind you, you feel inexorably something like twinge, become very stretched, and almost snap within you. And you know that the 10,000 of you who have followed this exodus have a similar 
all feel that and have a moment where they hold their own chests. Stepping across that threshold was a major thing. There's a reason why Ladrin very, very infrequently step, step across. Your power is there. You can bring some of it with you, but the difference between the Fae, which is a plane of infinite possibility, and the material plane, which is a plane of material actuality, you find as if you were clay that was molding into one static form. The closer you get to the, to the village, the more firelight you see, the, cloud, the smoke rising up, the sun fully sets, a very bizarre thing for you. And you look up and you see the twinkling of stars for the first time as R.Y. stands there looking out at the city and Balinor drops, drops her to one knee, touching, the, touching the, the ground, looking for new tracks, new, new evidence, new things to see in the past. R.Y. is looking toward the present, and you, Shere Khan, you've always been one looking for the future, or wondering for the future. Time seems to go a little bit faster now for you because you're not involved in any of the major talks, but you remember seeing as humans, humans, they call themselves, step forth and meet you. No weapons in, in hand. The concept of you is so foreign to them that they have no understanding of why would I wield a weapon? Do they even have weapons you don't fully understand? As three of your your elders step forth, one of them speaking in not their language, because you don't know their lang language, says, you will understand, Stanless. He says, I am Erfengo Serini Oshanto. And one says, one says, I am Aximile Eskaruth Ista. And one says, I am Alarin Sumitor Koras. And they're all just like, no idea. And the first one again says, We are Eladrin. Oh, uh, Eladrin. I am Eladrin. Elfengor Serenia Shantonego. Oh, Elfengor. Elf? Elf? They say the weird term to them Elf. And that single word spreads. The longer you stayed on the material plane, the more your illogical form changed, the shorter your ears became, the more, as you said, the more human-like you became, the more that you mingled with them. Teaching them to hunt, teaching them to forage, teaching them things, granting them things they've never even heard of before. I'm an elf, elf, elf. They refer to you as elf or elves. Mimelfs is what they um, call until, you know, later on, centuries go by change. I'm going to wrap up this little um, um, origin story here, but suffice to say, there is a very definitive time when the giant, when the, the dragons come and demolish, obliterate, and utterly destroy this entire civilization because they find that you folk are here. It does, that doesn't happen one to one. They come 
wanting to learn. What have you, who are you? What are you doing here? And once they see the gifts that you've given, the abilities you've granted, the thoughts you put into their heads, you quickly realize that you just happen to step across a threshold nearby one of the very few human settlements that are not directly under the boot or claw of giants or dragons. A settlement no more than 3,000 people. You vastly outnumbered them. It was a very bizarre thing. And you felt big for a while, for like a decade. You felt big mm-hmm. till you realized how small you were and how powerful though you were as elves now in this material plane, how the might of only six or seven dragons could undo everything you worked for. And you see 10 years of work vanish. And a solid um, 3,000 of your original 10,000 destroyed. And the loss from that is so painful that it rings into this day. And that is when the elves begin to realize that this is not an an operation that can be done in the sun. This is an operation that has to be done in the shadows of the forest, the wood, in secrecy. Until you meet a certain someone. But we'll save that for another time. Let's take our break. We've had mm. some bathroom breaks, yes. but I think it's a good moment mm-hmm. for us to take our official break. Good, All good. Right. Yeah, be, be. Bye.